Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Mika Simmons and welcome to the Happy Vagina podcast. Coming up, I'm talking to Bryony Gordon about all things woman, from wearing the wrong knickers, moon cups and the links between body positivity and mental health. But firstly, I wanted to tell you about Kindred. Kindred is a new app which, in a nutshell, allows you to share the things that you love while donating to the charity of your choice. Yeah, it really is as simple as that. You post your favourite new coat, lipstick or any other product you choose from the Kindred app, make a genuine recommendation to your followers and a percentage of any sale goes to your favourite charity. As if that wasn't good enough, a percentage of the sale goes directly to you too. Or if you're feeling super flush, you can choose to give all of your commission away. You can download the app at www.kindred.co. Kindred, share what you love. Welcome to The Happy Vagina, where we share all our thoughts and feelings around sex, gynaecology and female body judgment, so you can do the same, leading to better health, better sex and better lives. I'm Mika Simmons, I'm at the Albright, and today on The Happy Vagina, we have the force of nature that is Bryony Gordon. Hello. Hello. And my vagina. <laughs> and, your, and your vagina. But I do have clothes on. You do have clothes I do on. Have clothes on, just so because I know it's difficult with podcasts. You know, you can imagination can run riot. So if you were like on the tube right now, imagining me just sitting completely naked, I'm like, well, I'm fine with showing. Like, I, I don't. Go, it's not. It's not like it's me showing bodies as they are, like the cellulite, the stretch marks, and all of that. But I don't. I, I mean, I, I'm sort of very honest and open about my vagina. But I don't need to be. I don't need to like open it up to the world, no, except you- for what we're going to do. Now. <laughs> Yeah. So, Bryony, you are, in no particular order, a right-sizing journalist, best-selling author, mum to Edie. Yeah. A mental health advocate, a body-positive campaigner. Really an incredible body of work that you've got behind you. None of those things mention if you're any good at quizzes. Quizzes? Quizzes. Oh, I mean, no. I don't, what, what, what? You didn't Welcome tell me there was going to be a quiz. to the Happy Vagina Quiz. Oh. <laughs> Can I swear? <laughs> yes. Oh, I used to like a pub quiz. Okay. Before I got sober. Now, now I don't go to pubs, but I used to like, I mean, it was just an excuse to be Were in a pub, really. Were you any good really. at them? I mean, <clears throat> I, it depends. It depends. It depends what, like, the specialist subject is. Vaginas. <laughs> okay. God, <laughs> no. No, I'm so... I'm like a small... Anyway, go okay. on then. The first five are true or false. Okay. Bryony. Yes? The first movie to use the word vagina was a Disney film in 1946. True or false? I mean, that sounds almost like it should be true. Like, it's so unlikely that I'm going to say it's true. It is true. What was the movie? It was called The Story of Menstruation. 
We're going to put it up at the end of the podcast. And it was a short animation in 1946 to help women understand their bodies. It's very twee, I can tell you. Next question. There are only two ways to make a woman orgasm. That's false, obviously. Absolutely false. Well done. (laughs) Apparently, Oh My God, Yes, which is a female-oriented pleasure site, interviewed 2,000 women between the ages of 18 and 95 and discovered more about women's pleasure. They determined there are 12 ways. Okay. Potentially. Let's sit with potentially 12 ways but potentially 12 ways to make an orgasm. Next question. The vibrator preceded, the vibrator preceded the electric vacuum cleaner by nine years. I'm going to say that's, again, it's it's so specific. I'm going to say it must be true. It was. It was true. How am I doing? Have I got like, so far I've got 100% hit rate. Yes. <laughs> so it was the fifth electrical appliance ever made. Not only did it precede the electric vacuum, but also the iron. Which and I, so I love really that it's the fifth electric vacuum. It's like it's like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park when he says, life finds a way. It always finds a way. It's like, we've invented electricity and we're going to put the lights on and then we're going to use it electricity to come (laughs) (laughs) and then we'll hoover up (laughs) and iron our clothes it's brilliant isn't it i love it too okay next question sleeping with a nightlight can Mm -hmm. help regulate your menstrual cycle um i think that's i mean i i don't know i may lose here i mean it's what kind of nightlight like just a light just sleeping with a light on yeah I feel that's probably got to be false. Actually, do you know what? It's true. Amazingly, light exposure affects the secretion of the sleep hormone melatonin, which helps you control the release of the female reproductive hormones that determine when your menstrual cycle begins and ends. But but surely you need to sleep. And like, if you're not releasing (laughs) melatonin, you can't sleep. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I've stopped sleeping with the light on. Okay, me too. Me too. And my cycle is perfectly regular. Do you think that's to do with running? I don't know what it's to do with. It's always been regular. Actually, I do think when I run, it does... When I did... Like, last week, I did lots of running because I've got this thing coming up. So I was training. And I... um, I'm out of breath even describing it. And I definitely, definitely didn't get as menstrual... Like, pre-PMS as I... No, I much agree. And I, and I didn't... I, my, he- my period wasn't as heavy. Yeah. Exercise really helps, doesn't mm-hmm. it? My lightest period ever, thankfully, was when I got it the day before I ran my first marathon. And that day, <laughs> and I was like, of course, of course my period's going to come on the day I run the marathon. And I was like, okay. So I kind of doubled up, tampons, uh, sanitary towels, and I managed to run... I got to about mile 12 before I kind of stopped and felt I need to just, like, check and change. Then I carried on and I got to mile like 21 or 19, I can't remember, quite far in. And I was like, I'm just going to do one more quick, you know, quick check and change. And then um, I carried on running. I was like, yeah. And I got to like the one bit of the London Marathon course where thankfully there were no spectators and I could feel something like sliding down my leg, down my leggings. (laughs) And I realised it was my sanitary towel. And I just had to like pull it off and discard it onto the side of the roundabout. By that point, it was a bit like labour. I was at the stage of the marathon where I did not give a fuck. (laughs) I was like, I just want to get to the fucking end uh, and I don't care that I've just thrown a sanitary towel into the middle of a roundabout brilliant yeah and also people never talk about that like I remember when I was training for that first marathon I was like what happens if I get my period and they don't write about it in like running magazines I remember there's a great podcast called running commentary which is presented by two comedians and they had me on it and I was like what happens when you get your period and them being men were like 
we don't know. And I was like, please, could all the women <laughs> listening write in and let me know. Did anyway. you get any good suggestions? I don't think I did, no. no. Well, maybe there's something in it. Last true or false question. The word vagina is Latin for sheath. No, that's false. It is true. Oh, don't is okay. say I don't teach you anything, oh, Brownie well, Gordon. I, I mean, my Latin is uh, is not as hot. Well, you're as, now bilingual as our new prime ministers. <laughs> <laughs> A few questions for you personally: brief or g-string? Oh, b- brief for sure. Of course. <laughs> Honestly. <clears throat> Brazilian or bush? Bush. Love me, love my bush. Yeah, that's one of the things I do love about you is that you've never, ever been a fan of the old I've had, like, waxing. I've probably had, like, three waxes in my life. I just think, like, love me, love my bush. And also, you know... <clears throat> If a bloke has a problem with it, they're a bit fucking weird. Like, I'm awesome, do you know what I mean? And if they want me to look like a prepubescent girl, I don't really want to be with them. I mean, I'm married, so it's not really a problem anymore. But, um, but Harry loves your bush. Well, he'd, I he mean, married you <clears throat> with your bush. But, like, also, I'm like, what? And also, when I'm swimming or something and I'm wearing, like, a bikini, and I post a lot of underwear, like, why? Like, I, I mean, I'll tidy up my, like, bikini mm. line, but I'm like, why are you looking at my thighs, you absolute pervert? <laughs> So, you know, love me, love my bush. Okay, great. Like, what's wrong? I just, I, I don't, like, there's, like, a million evolutionary reasons that we have hair on our bodies, mm. right? And there's only one reason to remove it, which mm. is that apparently it doesn't look sexy. Mm. Men would be better for sex, too. What, hair? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've had sex, but <laughs> being married. <laughs> that was actually my next question, clitoral or G-spot. What? I mean, obviously clitoral. Okay. Obviously. I don't even believe that question be... even need asking, needed asking. <laughs> I've recently discovered the G-spot, oh, actually. Oh, that's yeah. nice for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think maybe it's an age thing. Is I it on know. Google Maps? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put it into my like Google Maps. Mika's G-spot. Show me the directions, please. I think, yeah, I think it's about shape. Anyway, final one. This is our last question yeah. for you. Vibrator or vegetable? What? <laughs> neither. Okay, neither. The hand. Yes. The hand. The hand. Thank you so much. You have... Vegetable. We have finished the Happy Vagina Quiz. Apparently you got three. Oh, that's good. Three right. Very meat, very average. And obviously the, the five personal questions at the end, you got there's all no, right. There's no, there's no those wrong answer to a personal question. Bryony, I am over the moon to have you on the show today. You know, I've tracked your career and I just... You've, you've built a career on being honest, but there has been a significant change in your relationship to your body from your first book, The Wrong Knickers, mm-hmm. all the way through to what you've just written. And you've got this. And I just wondered, especially for people who don't know your work that well, what do you think has changed in terms of your relationship with your body? I don't... I think I've just... I, you know, to, to give to give an idea to people that don't have a clue who I am, I... So I am... Um, I have a, like a history of bulimia. I mean, I'm like I'm like most other, I think most other people that I sort of grew up and it seemed to me the most normal thing to not like myself. I grew up around my my mother and her friends and my grandmother, they you know, they'd all sort of talk they couldn't take a compliment, you know. Mm-hmm. So someone would say that's a nice dress and they'd go, "Oh, this old thing, it you know, it shows off my bingo wings." So they like take the compliment, throw it on the floor, stamp on it, set fire to it, stamp on it again, spit on it just to make sure it was properly turned into an insult and mm-hmm. take it into an insult and you know, everyone seemed to always be on a diet and it was, you know, so 
I, it was a very, that's very normalized you know we've we've only ever seen one you know for a long time we saw one type of woman women woman in the media on billboards you know and she was slim white happy straight you know and so if you weren't any of those thing you know if you didn't tick all those boxes you didn't feel that you belonged and even if you did tick all those boxes you probably didn't feel like you ticked all those boxes enough and so my relationship with my body has always been I mean I guess quite normally sort of um you know just I felt very um uh I've just always felt a bit wrong mm. um so yeah I have a you know a history of bulimia but I, I also I have I when I was about 18 all my hair fell out mm. um which didn't help <laughs> create a positive body image mm. so I was a really stressed kid and I had um quite extreme obsessive compulsive disorder from the age of about 12 and couldn't leave the house for long periods of time and I think that probably affected lots of things and then of course I discovered alcohol and drugs which helped me to like shut up the voices in my head I would not recommend them as mm. a way to make mm. yourself feel better but I guess I got I've got older and I've learned more about myself and you know a lot of people they always say to me I wish I had your confidence and I don't actually have that much confidence like I think confidence is a real trick um but what I do have is um an absolute desire to not waste any more energy hating on myself Mm. like it's such a waste of my time and there's so many better things to be doing like having sex or wanking or Mm. any of those things uh or you know or just or just living and you know I kind of feel like every time we worry about our you know we're not the right way or do we look good or you know you know why don't we have that person's arms or that person's arse or we're kind of doing the patriarchy's job for them I mean I sort of feel like this there's this you know women have sort of always been sort of subjugated and we sub- we subjugate ourselves really well mm. and we don't even know we're well, we doing just fall it. Into it we just yeah exactly it's almost yeah. like that some wherever it started however it started we don't question it enough for example the other day i wrote a piece about the zara spotty dress that yes. everyone's wearing and how i think it's kind of great that everyone for once is kind of going this is something i'm wearing how it make because of how it makes me feel and I don't really care that lots of other people are wearing it because I'm dumb. You know, that comparison thing. Like, the biggest sin is not... You know, the biggest sin as a woman, apart from, like, murder and adultery, has mm-hmm. always been, like, turning up to an event wearing the same thing as mm-hmm. someone else. Mm-hmm. And at the heart of that is comparison. Mm-hmm. And if we are comparing ourselves to each other, mm-hmm. we are too busy to, co- to to fight the real enemy, which is the blokes out there or the p- evil people out there who are kind of trying to keep us down. And so... All the thought but, processes behind it. Because I'm yeah. not sure that it is just men and women I think that as you've talked about your mothers and grandmothers that generation it may have come from attitudes from well, yeah, I think them, it but has... I think everyone in I think all human beings have a responsibility yeah, to love and I mean, accept each serve, other as we are the serve, it serves a per- you know like it, it all comes from that and then and then I see and that's why I wrote this piece and I posted a picture on my Instagram of me in the dress and someone commented something like I think it's a hideous dress just my humble opinion and I said well just don't buy it then and keep your humble opinion to yourself <laughs> and people were like you obviously and I was like no because this is the whole thing is, it's, is we, we, we otherwise kind of quite liberal feminist women mm. left leaning women will do these things without even will comment on people's 
clothes like everyone has a right to put on whatever they want with uh, you know on any given day without worrying that people are going to kind of slate them for them and you know that's something that women carry around all the time Mm. all the time every morning uh, you know unconsciously our brain is making decisions with that there Mm. you know and and i and i think it's really important that we untangle it um so you know, I am more than the figure on my scales. I am more than the, you know, the width of my waist and my body and what I do with it. And is not, you know, I'm, I'm sick of it being other people's property. It's mine. You know, mm. I spent my entire, probably from the age of about 12 when mm. I grew boobs and I've got quite big boobs through to literally until I got, you know, until I got pregnant at 32. But I was going to ask I, that I, But I was always being eyed up, ogled, do you know what I mean? Like people make comments and I think that's quite a normal thing for women to experience. And it's it's like, this is my body, this is my property and I will do with it what I will. Do you think having Edie though made a difference? So so I'm really, because in the wrong knickers, mm. I would say that, I mean, what I love about it is how honest you are, as I said, but you did, I would say, do some things with your body um, in terms of your sexual relationships who are not necessarily the highest kindness to your body. No. I think there's a lot of things that have happened in your life mm. and I love how honest you are about your whole trajectory. Mm. Do you think having Edie and giving birth to yeah, another that, being... I think I just... I didn't want her to grow up in the same in the world with the same kind of attitudes as yeah. I had. Yeah. Um, so yes, of co- that does, of course, make a difference. Yeah. Um, and I'm really mindful because I get lots of messages from women saying, how do I instill self-confidence in my daughter? Mm. Or, and I'm like, well, first you've got to instill it in yourself. Mm. You know, I, mm. I'm really, I'm really, um, I'm really strict on not like trash talking myself in front of her, you know, because I hear it all the time. People go, oh, I'm useless. I've lost my keys. I'm so pathetic. And it's like, well, you've just lost some keys. You're not, you know what I mean? You're or oh I look awful and it's it's like no you don't you just you just look like a completely normal human being going out and it and kids listen to this and they pick it up you know they're like sponges and the other day I was at the swimming pool with ED and I was putting on my bikini and I was like oh my boobs are so big and she went no mummy your boobs are exactly as they're supposed to be we're all born as we're supposed to be born and I'm sure that was kind of from you know the things I say around the house um well you also said something like that when I first met you one of the first things that we did together we were at a sample sale and I just remember you you'd found a top that fitted which you were like over the moon about and bought it you were really excited and you just turned around to me and you said Mika I think I've got reverse body dysmorphia and it was like and I it literally blew my mind that that could be a decision that rather than looking in the mirror and hate myself and try and change my body I could look in the mirror and think yes I am great yeah I think it's I don't think it's I just think it's I just think it should be listen at the heart of every bad decision I've ever made in my life and I've made a lot has been um low or no self-esteem and every good decision I've made make in my life um it has been from wanting to look after myself and I always say this like it doesn't matter you know what grades we get at school what you know what house we have what you know possessions we have how well we do in our careers or whatever if we don't have good rock solid self-esteem none of it means anything Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean it's all very tenuous and it can all go and um and I've realized that with myself um, and I don't think it's a bit. It's not like a. It's not like a kind of like revelatory. Um, no, but you're leading. Thing, it. But it is for me. Yeah. And 
So I just, I just, it, it just really saddens me how much energy women waste hating on themselves and, I, you know, and I, how much energy I've wasted hating on myself. Mm. Um, and I'm, you know, and I, I've, I've really had to start liking myself because I got to a stage a couple of years ago and, you know, you sort of witnessed it and I, and I, I had to get, I ended up in rehab and I knew, you know, people talk about rock bottoms, but my rock bottom was like, I was completely hollowed out by like self-loathing and I knew that if I didn't do something and if I didn't start liking myself I was going to kill myself be it in an accident falling off a balcony or something Mm. or you know on purpose after a bender or or just a long horrible death through I don't know you know drug and alcohol abuse and and uh, so I knew I had to start liking myself. That was it. Was that it? Was like yourself or die. Mm. Those were the, that was basically the option that was presented to me. And um, and you know, and I and I I also think life is so precious. Like I, there's a thing I write, and you got this. My latest book, which is like a mental health book for young girls, and like we are all miracles. Like the chances of any of us existing are something like one in two to the power of 10,685,000. So like first your parents have to meet, they have to get it. And then, you know, like if they got it on like a millisecond earlier or later, you know, a different sperm might have reached the, you know, and you might be someone completely different, you know, and the, and the, and the, the difficulty of all the sperm to get to the egg is like mind blowing. They like have to go on like an Iron Man, like a sperm Iron Man uphill. And they're like, and then there's all sorts of things that the female body does to try and kill the sperm because the female body is like, I'm not having any old sperm. I want the creme de la creme of the sperm. So like natural acids released. There's like thick mucus that they have to like punch their way through, which is like punching our way through a wall into the next door's house. And then, you know, and then when they finally get to the egg, if they get to the egg, because there may not even be a bloody egg there, do you know what I mean? Because it's only there for one day of each calendar month or whatever. You may correct me on that, two days. Um, There are like white blood cells guarding the egg, like nightclub bouncers, like you're not coming in so the chances of existing are really quite small and then of course your 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 biological mother has to hold the pregnant you know and then at every point every day there are situations in which you know life co- life continues or life gets extinguished you know right now as we're speaking uh, hundreds of thousands i don't know how many thousands of people will have died in the process of this conversation you know like i i have a this afternoon actually i'm going to a funeral Um, my godson's mother who was only 40 and she died of a really rare autoimmune disease you know if you'd said to us a year ago that Andrea would be dead like we would not have believed you and you know life is so fucking precious and we Mm. worry about aging and getting old and wrinkles and we've got it all wrong like we should not be anti-aging we should be pro-aging because it's a miracle you know it's there are people every day you, you you can read the paper every day for dozens of examples of people who do not get the privilege they are not afforded the privilege of getting old and um and and, I, and there's, you know, and I just think that we need to embrace life a bit more and see it for what preciousness it is and not try and, like, not try and shrink ourselves or mm. make ourselves look different. Like, we, you know, that's it's corny, but it's true. We are enough and we're here and we may not be here tomorrow. 
and you're and and probably one of the like finest examples of that is that last year you ran the marathon in your underwear and then this year you got a thousand other women <laughs> to run with you and celebrate themselves in their underwear yeah what what was that can you just tell me what a bit? possessed you <laughs> well I, actually i just would like to i really would like to know on a very personal level, what that 10K was like for you, Bryony? What ex- what was the experience like for you? It was really you? cool. It was really... I, I, I was quite moving to see so many women do it and, like, see how much... Because I ran it with my friend Jada Cesar, who's a plus-size model, and we, you know, we've we've done so we've done we've been on like television in our in our sports underwear so we're quite used to it and I think we've kind of forgotten what a big obstacle it is for everyone else so to see women like derobing there were people crying and then like you know they were transformed and but the other wonderful thing was the response that all the crowds on the side of the road gave everyone like nobody not a single person got any kind of negative comment everyone was celebrated and we had women of all different shapes and sizes and body experiences so it wasn't just plus size women it was women like amazing deborah james who has um a stage four bowel cancer and um and uh lauren mcmahon who has breast cancer they they host the you me and the big c podcast and then we had nimco ali who's an fgm campaigner so there were loads of different you know experiences because i think we can get lost in that kind of you know uh, you know uh, women who are you know all women have these kind of like hang-ups and um, and it was sort of celebrating it and saying, this is what, this is keeping, you know, this body, my body's amazing. It's keeping me alive. You did choose to um, run that with a moon cup. Yeah, I did. On the first day of your period. It was actually the second day of my period. How was that? Well, it was pretty, like, it was a heavy period, actually. Um, so I had to keep kind of emptying it at every portaloo. Um, and Jada had to kind of actually, like, <laughs> wipe some blood off my thigh. And she was like, we've run a marathon practically naked together. I've seen it all. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was, it would have, it wouldn't have been, like, I feel like I love a moon cup. I'm, like, massively pro moon cup. Um, I'm massively pro talking about periods. What is it about them you love? What What is it about the moon cup that, well, cup that you Well, I love? just, like, I don't know. Like, I can have it in and, and literally forget I've got my period. Right. says that. But I also like the, the lack of waste, mm. the the ease, the... Um, it's just it's just revolutionary. Like, I honestly think, I'm like, if men got periods, the height of period technology would not be a piece of fucking cotton wool attached to a string. <laughs> it just wouldn't. You know? Like, we've put a man on the moon, we've created the iPhone, and we've got tampons, as mm. it. You know, and then we've got a moon cup, and then we've also, you know, we're starting to get there with, like, period pants and everything. Mm. But, like, you know, if men had periods, there would be, like, Jeremy Clarkson would present, like, a show where they'd, like, try out all the different <laughs> stuff every week yeah and meanwhile i'm supposed to just kind of quietly like be embarrassed that i'm having my period no way like the only reason any of us are here is because of periods in the menstrual cycle mm. right and from the moment we get periods we're told Shh, you know i remember my mum calling it the curse what, do you do you rem- actually i'm not even going to say do you remember of course you remember everyone remembers can you tell me about when you first got your period and what, what it was like for you what oh, the feelings were around mortified. it I was mortified I remember going into like the loo downstairs and being like you were at home I, but I can't you I were at home or at school I was at home and I remember the way it was described to me like in my head very badly very briefly by my mother I thought that I was going to like wee blood right mm. so I was like well this oh no this is what it is and um 
But it was always like, you know, keep quiet. You know, you're not supposed to talk about your period when you get them. You're not supposed to talk about your period when you stop getting them. And so there as well is the sort of, at the core of our, from the moment we become kind of conscious of our bodies, I suppose, puberty, we are taught as women to feel shame about our bodies. I think that's really crucial as well. And, you know, I was in Uganda earlier this year for work and, um, they there they have a you know they teach the boys as well about periods you know they're really open about it because it's just part of life and you know periods can be shit but they can also you know and shame doesn't help yeah and i see all this stuff of like there was a piece recently in a newspaper about how you know women don't need to bleed and i'm like you know really like i just you know people who take back to back meant you know pills and i don't know it's all complicated you just, yeah, yeah, do what yeah, you want like but like i i just feel like I, i'm not I, I it still amazes me <laughs> i was at a wedding at the weekend and i was like i've just got to go and change my moon cup to my like oldest friend and she was like you didn't have to tell me that briny and i was like i did i did because of that reaction yeah but also you were boiling your moon cup you went to stay with some friends the weekend and you put something up about boiling cleansing the moon cup yeah at the house you've got to boil it yeah but like you were just doing it in front of the people that own the house it's just a bit of it's just literally a bit of like rubber it's not like what is it like what is going to happen what i I mean the people that own the house have three children i mean i presume they know how this works and yeah the dark father was like i'm like seriously dude you have you know we know we know he has secreted his sperm into his wife's um, uterus and created three babies. But so why are you getting touchy about my fucking moon cup? But I just think it's really good for us to hear that, for all of us to hear that, because I think that someone who was thinking about using a moon cup might think to themselves, oh, can I run with it? Or, or can I, where do I wash it? And that sort of thing. And just you sharing that. But also so people important. get, oh, what about changing it when you're in like a public toilet? I'm like, well, I'm just literally, I'll empty it and then put it back inside me. Like I don't have to wash it because it's just got me on it and I am not a toxic thing I'm just my blood and then later I'll have a shower and I'll boil it do you know what I mean but like we need to stop being so squeamish about our bodies you know they're not they're not gross they're just doing what they do and how old were you when you started your periods maybe I was like 12 13 because there's a a phenomenal chapter in your new book which (laughs) I wish that I'd got to read when I first started to explore sexual pleasure where you talk about your first experiences of discovering orgasm, age 11. Yeah. And you were in a local swimming pool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like the jets. Yes. The jets in the pool. I didn't know what I was doing was, like, masturbation. I mean, I wouldn't, obviously I wouldn't do it now. Um, wouldn't you? No, I think I'd probably, uh, you know, uh, boundaries and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I remember discovering this thing and then realising that it wasn't... Um, you know, and I'm feeling incredibly ashamed because I didn't think that I, like, I know, I didn't know that women, you know, I heard jokes about men, you know, boys wanking and all of that, but I, I didn't, I don't think I'd ever heard anyone joke about girls doing it. Like, there wasn't, you know, like, I very much grew up with the belief that I was not supposed to, um, experience pleasure. I was just supposed to provide it to other people. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um, and it was only really in my kind of like... But you discovered it accidentally. Yeah, but I think most people do. I, I think like most people, you know, you, you to discover masturbation before you even know what masturbation is. I don't know where it comes from because I, I remember being actually staying over at my grandmother's house and for whatever reason there was a lot of people in the house I was sharing a bed and I think I was actually nine or ten and trying to touch myself and my grandmother pretty much shutting me down and being like, what are you doing? Mm. And my history from that point onwards is not a great relationship with that. It took me, it's taken me a lifetime mm. to kind of make my peace and find my way with my own relationship with masturbation and my body because of the shame that mm. came in from just the way she, she, she told it, yeah, me yeah, off, yeah. you know, yeah. and it just, I went into shutdown. I wondered since releasing the book and thinking more and more about that subject, have you got any clearer idea about where that shame came from? from well, I'm you? sure it just came from, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe just someone did say something to me. And with my mum, quite recently, she came up to me and she was like, Bryony, I've got to the bit about self-pleasure. And I just wanted to say, I'm like, no, mum, that ship has sailed. I'm 39. She was like, well, I didn't ever really know what it was. I'm like, oh, my God, mum, you're so embarrassing. I was like literally transported back to being like 11 again. I don't know. I don't know where the shame came from. But I think it was just like sex wasn't a thing that women I mean obviously it was a thing women did but it wasn't something that women were supposed to sort of actively I don't know there was never I never I was never presented with any idea like women would give like you know I'd buy just 17 and stuff and I you Mm. know it was alluded to but you know whenever I saw it was all about women giving pleasure to other people Mm. so the idea of the female orgasm was not really I certainly never read about it or thought it was normal and now of course it it is discussed you know you've got great people like Scarlett Curtis and Honey (coughs) Ross talking about wanking the whole time Mm. um and I don't feel ashamed of it do you know do you know like when that the feeling of shame when you were younger can you remember what that shame did to your body or where you felt it in your body or what it did to your mind because you've also talked quite a lot about how your OCD has created intrusive thoughts around Mm. masturbation and stuff I just wondered if you can tell us what the physical experience of shame is for you um I don't really know I mean I guess it's sort of just uh, I don't know it's sort of overwhelming all-encompassing kind of fear do you know what I mean like I don't I, I I don't if I think about I don't feel shame that often anymore. Mm. I used to feel it all the time. Do you feel like you're a bad person? Is it something? Yeah. Oh my god, I was totally. I thought I was the worst person in the world. Um, and you know, and actually now I realise I was just another 
love a person, do you know what I mean, who masturbated furiously. Mm. (laughs) It's plenty of people around. Um, So Did you stop? No, never, never, no. When when you started to feel the shame, did you just carry on? But like, you know, yeah. but, But feeling shamed of it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, I was not kind of cognizant enough. Awake enough. No, 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 but no, I certainly didn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> never stopping. Never, no, I never stopped, and I shall never stop. I'll be an old lady. Hopefully, I'll be an old. Ho- hopefully, I'll be an old lady wanking to my heart's content. Well, normally, when they actually do research in terms of masturbation with women, they go all the way up to ninety-five. So, I think that the the the, the people that are looking into all this stuff expect us to be doing it okay, until that's ninety-five. Good. So, that's I can good. reassure you that's good. that you should be doing it until okay. ninety-five. I hope I get to ninety-five. Just with the um, how your mental health affects it, you've talked, as I said, about the OCD and the intrusive thoughts. Can you just say a little bit more about that, about what the experience was like for you? So I have a type of OCD called pure O. So OCD, I describe it as um, your brain refusing to acknowledge what your eye can see, so that the oven's off, a candle's out, the, the you know, um, and, or that you haven't just run out, that the, the, the bump in the road is a speed bump and not a person. Um, and then, but the puro revolves around thoughts. So we've all had that thought of like, what if someone handed me their baby and then just threw it on the floor? Or, you know, what if I just pushed this man in front of the tube or something? But we know most people go, this is just the randomness of my brain. We all have billions of thoughts a day. I don't know if that's true, but we have a lot of thoughts a day and we are not all of our thoughts. But someone with pure O becomes quite like, um, attached to the thought like becomes distressed by, so distressed by the thoughts that they go through a serious a series of compulsions to check they are not the thoughts mm. so for me basically that um i thought that for from the age of about 12 13 i thought i was a serial killing pedophile mm. i'm not mm. i mean but i would say that mm. wouldn't i mm. um no, i'm pretty sure you're not uh sure. but it's very common but of course no people don't talk about that kind of ocd do you know what i mean they're like yeah whenever i say to someone oh i i have a history of ocd they're like oh yeah me too the sock drawer and i'm like it's always the sock drawer i'm like i have the pedophile type <laughs> um that does usually... it stop you enjoying sex though Bryony? well it did but it doesn't anymore right but yes, it totally did. So, oh my God, yes, it was ruinous. It really interfered with my masturbation right. career. Um, <laughs> and, um, but uh, did it, I don't know, like, to be honest, sex was always about, like, I just must give this person pleasure. Like, that was why I'm obsessed. So the OCD didn't so much. But obviously, you know, obviously, like, there's, with it gets quite complicated with pure own. You get sort of false memory stuff as well. So you think, what if I did this? What if? So it was totally, and it was all jangled up with sex. All mm. of it. Not all of it, but mostly. Because um, obviously I also thought I was murdering people. Um, and... Uh, Is there any evidence or any connection to do with the shame and the OCD thoughts I don't I think that shame I mean I think OCD is like it's like any kind of mental illness in that it's a kind of weird protective mechanism of the brain gone awry you know so like for example there's lots of thoughts that schizophrenia is for for example things like um, paranoia paranoid delusions are actually if you think about how we are all you know evolutionary we need to be super aware of everything around us well paranoid delusions are just a really amped up version of that and then delusions of grandeur if you think what do we do when we're confronted with a predator we make ourselves big Mm. 
to <laughs> to try and scare them away. And so that's so grand delusions of grandeur are like a, a you know an extreme version of that. And OCD as well is like an extreme fucked up version of trying to keep yourself safe, basically trying to control, trying to control the externals, trying yeah. to control the externals yeah. so that nothing yeah. can hurt. But it you. goes awry, and of course it doesn't. It makes you feel less safe. Is it so that is it not only so that externals don't hurt you but also so that you don't hurt other people you, well, yeah, somehow but that's, you feel like your, but it's your all, badness yeah, yeah, yeah. will actually yeah. impact so you get yeah. more and more tight in terms of yeah. your thought processes and your activities yeah. in line absolutely so mm-hmm. it's all but it's so it's all you know I try and think of it all as slightly normal biological yeah, evolutionary yeah. processes that have just gone a bit wrong somewhere along the line and that really helps me when I can sort of like do that there's a great book by a guy called Nathan Filer called Heartlands which is all about that kind of stuff and how mental illness is you know it's it's all kind of suffering you know but it's all a lot of it is you know, it's, it's it's really interesting. Like, I would urge everyone listening to go and read it, but it certainly helped me a lot to kind of work out what's going on. Like, at the moment, my OCD is quite bad, um, but I know why that is, because mm. I've got stuff going on, mm. you know. Um, and I know that it probably in a couple of weeks when things have calmed down a bit, it will go but at the time at the moment it is that like it is and I just have to kind of I know it won't last forever because it hasn't and that's the difference between now and before because before I did think it was going to last forever but we were talking about this stuff more you know mm. and the brain is you know like I always think the brain is I, I think lots of people say this and I think Ruby Wax was the first person I heard saying it was that you know the real time the, the time that stigma has truly gone is when we stop talking about mental and physical health and we just talk about health because mm. our brains are part of our bodies mm. and they're all you know we you know I know if I feed myself good food and I exercise and I sleep well you know if I don't have those basics the rest of me's fucked but also your honesty I mean mm. I think that the that that while the future is really exciting in terms of our understanding of health as you say I think that one of the things that you really champion and really do believe in and I completely agree is that talking about stuff I think listen wherever your uh, dis-ease comes from Mm. if you then also don't talk about it and you're not honest with people you are for sure going to make it even worse that's Mm. my experience through my lifetime and one of the things that I think you completely champion is encouraging people to really talk so that we don't also sit in shame around stuff Mm. that's going on for us and your new book for young women is phenomenal for that what made you decide to write a book for young women well because um i think what made me write all of my books was the kind of um desperation to find other people like me um and and so that other people like me didn't have to go through the things that i the shape the feelings of shame i went through you know even the wrong knickers was which is all about my chaotic 20s was a Mm. book written for other people having chaotic 20s to go it's okay it's okay you know and it it, is totally fine um i think that i think uh, you know there's a great phrase I heard I was told in rehab which is that shame dies when it's exposed to the light and Mm. you know we all of us I all of the work I've done really has been me trying to meet other people like me so I don't feel like such I don't feel like I'm like the first time I wrote about my type of OCD which was a long time ago now it was 
it wasn't like I'm going to write about this now because I think this will be good for my career it was like I was desperate mm. I was like I want I was like putting my head above the parapet and going this is what I have I've I've heard that other people have it but I've never met any I haven't met anyone who's identified as having it and I need to meet someone else who has it mm. and so I can t- I know that I'm not mad or that I am mad and that it's okay and so that's where that came from and this is this is again like I've realized that we all have these crazy weird thoughts all of us you know we go through these experiences and and knowing that makes me feel better I think that the thing I've found in all of the kind of work I've done in in the mental health sphere is that what all mental illnesses have in common um is that they lie to you be it schizophrenia an eating disorder anxiety you know depression you know mental illness covers a huge range of things just as physical illness covers a huge range of things from the cold through to cancer and beyond but what I've learned is that all of these mental illnesses what they thrive on is um, a silence of a culture of silence Mm. so they work much like an abuser actually and Mm. they're they're like you're a freak no one else is going to understand what you're going through and um, you know and 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 you're and you're weird and uh, and they thrive in that culture of silence and the moment that you blow a hole in that uh, is, you know, you're not immediately cured, but you're certainly on the way to recovery. That is the starting point for any recovery. Wow. Is for someone to go, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a thing that is quite common. Because you, go, oh my god, because I remember, I, I remember thinking that I was, I, I was parent. I mean, I was, you know, I've experienced psychosis and that kind of thing of thinking I was about to be arrested constantly. You know, I was worried that helicopters were coming for me and it's all rooted in that and in the moment and I can sort of obviously stop not taking drugs anymore has helped alleviate I don't get paranoia. but what I mean is is that I can remind myself now even in the darkest moments that there are other people out there like me Mm. right now but for young women you've written a book that says to them you're going to get a period it's going to be a bit shit sometimes but actually it's also going to be amazing yeah and told them it's okay to touch themselves and to find pleasure do you do you think that um that there should be a guide or lessons to understanding sexual pleasure in schools Uh, would you want Edie to have that no, I don't think... I think that we create our own, you know... I, I think that all what we need to do is let people know that sexual pleasure is okay. Normal. And it's normal. Um, and, you know, as <laughs> the life finds a way thing, you find the way that makes your pleasure... You know, you said there were 12 different ways to make someone orgasm. Yeah. You know, there's only one way for me. And I know what that is very well. At the moment. And, you know, and, and <laughs> I get on with change. that. But, I, you know, maybe it might change. But I, I, uh, I so, I, you know, I just think it's all about exploring and knowing that it's fine to explore that stuff. Mm. I, you- don't, I, don't, I don't think we need to be, like, sitting down and going, right, everyone, do you know what I mean? Put your hands down your pants. And, you know, like, I think it's, I think it's you know, I think it's it's all about... Do you think it should be taught, though, within... So, so I've got a really massive issue with the age that young people are taught about sex at school because my experience was is that we'd all had it by the time we got talked yeah. about it and periods mine already started and I just wonder whether or not some guidance or just even just introducing it within sex education might I be quite useful I think they're much better at doing it PCHE I know that you know my daughter who's only six they you know they teach them about the differences in body I mean I don't know exactly but I also think it's 
it's my responsibility as a parent. I mean, I don't want to go into too much about that kind of side of stuff because it's not fair on her. Yeah. Um, but I talk about it quite openly. Uh, with and, her. and at school as well, they're starting too much earlier. They definitely do. Pe- yeah, they, it's all kind of, there's much better. I mean, it's, also, it's, well, it's better than when I was a kid, but the, you know, anything would be better than what I got when I was a kid. Mm. A banana with a condom on it or something. Is that what you had? Yeah, <laughs> I still don't know how to put a condom on. Is that really embarrassing? I, mean, I don't really need anyway. Is it our job? <laughs> exactly, Mika. Brani, you have been absolutely amazing. I'm going to have one. I've got one last question for you. Yeah. If your vagina could speak today, <laughs> or another age in your life, and tell you what it wanted, what would it say? Uh, it would say, be kind to me, touch me. It would say, touch me. Touch me. Touch me more. Amazing. Touch me more. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much, Bryony. I'm Mika having. Simmons. This is the amazing Bryony Gordon. And my vagina. And her vagina. And we are at All Bright. Thanks for listening. listening everyone i hope you found the episode enlightening and empowering and a mega thank you to our sponsors today kindred kindred has the capacity to make a huge difference in the way we give as every transaction made will benefit a charity of your choice so get downloading at www.kindred.co that's www.kindred.co kindred share what you love up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com